Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, Discord is now in session. Andrea brings the case against her husband, Scott. Andrea loves to sing along with her favorite songs by artists from Maroon 5 to Jonathan Colton, but doesn't think it's important to be especially careful about the notes or the key. Her husband, Scott, says if she's going to sing, she needs to sing the right way. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. This court enjoys youthful hyperbole more than anything in all the known universe, but Tyler is deranged, and not merely because he is talking about Maroon 5. Even if our splintered culture is still allowed for such a thing, how could Maroon 5 be the band of his generation? Not only have I, a 41-year-old, heard of this rock band, it is also a rock band signed to a major label that is played on terrestrial radio. That's as old-timey and esoteric a genre these days as steampunk bluegrass, which I am confident exists. Even I know that the band of this generation is some nine-year-old Danish DJ emailing back and forth uh, Earl Sweatshirt Fleetwood Mac mashup with a 29-year-old Cambodian-Canadian female banjoist in Winnipeg that he met on SoundCloud, which I am also confident exists. Jesse, bail them in. No, Jesse Thorne, swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he has perfect pitch, just like his Martha's Vineyard golfing buddy, Chevy Chase? (laughs) I do. I do. Very well. Judge Hodgman? Scott and Andrea, for an immediate summary judgment in your favor, can you make an educated guess as to the piece of culture that I referenced as I entered the courtroom? Hint, you are not time travelers, so you will not know the precise answer, but you can make an educated guess. Andrea, an educated guess. An educated guess is that it is a review or some column written about music in the New York Times. Interesting. Scott? Interesting, but not correct. But Scott, um, it it sounds it it sounds like like uh, Neil Stevenson, uh, but I, I can't think of him actually saying anything like that in any of his books. But it has the same same kind of language, particularly referencing steampunk bluegrass. Well, your flattery will get you somewhere in the court. <laughs> For that is indeed the words, not of Neil Stevenson, but of uh, Judge John Hodgman in the forthcoming Judge John Hodgman rules column in the New York Times magazine. So in a way, Andrea, you were very close. I should have said the magazine. In this forthcoming column, a residence administrator at a college uh, takes issue with her 21-year-old student employee, Tyler, who claims that not only is Maroon 5 his favorite band, but the best band and the band of his generation. You will recall from my ruling as I entered the courtroom that Tyler is deranged. But Andrea, I'm glad that you got so close to guessing because I am almost completely prepared to grant you an immediate summary judgment in your favor anyway for if i understand it correctly you like to sing and your husband wants you to stop singing is that correct it's not that he doesn't want me to sing he when i sing i sing like when tom cruise is in the movie um uh you know the movie i'm talking about he's 
driving along and singing really loud, free uh, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. That's one. That's so he's driving along and he's trying to find a song on the radio that he just wants to sing out loud and strong. And he sings along to free falling. So I like to sing. I just like to sing along. I, I'm not saying I'm a singer. I just like to sing along, like in the car, yeah. in the house, in the shower. So he, his, my, I'm bringing the case because he will say nothing, things like if you're. I was just going to say nothing you've described is out of the ordinary for most normal humans. Most normal humans like to sing like Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire. So where is the trouble? He says that if I am singing, I should be able, I should be singing on pitch and on key, which key, I don't really know. I kind of know what he means, but if you would, if not really. So, because if not, it, it is offensive to, or, um, Yes, offensive to the person that wrote the song. Scott, <laughs> is and is Andrea misstating your position? Yes, she is. <laughs> what, will you? No. Let's, let, Andrea? <laughs> that wasn't me. Let, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, not, uh, uh, is there another wife in the courtroom who is audibly sighing? <laughs> I understand your position, Andrea. Let me hear Scott state his position in his own words. I feel that uh, if she's going to sing along with some recording or with somebody else who is singing uh, and there's other people in the room, she should make a reasonable effort to match the same key as the other performance. And why do you feel that way? I feel that way both for for the respect of the other uh, person performing, if there's another person singing in the room, and uh, for for the respect of the people who have to listen. But wait, what are you are you guys having family hoedowns? Why why are you having why is there so much singing going on in your house where people are coming over and you're all singing together? Are you a member well, of a cult? Oh, close enough. We have five kids. So. I see. So when you're talking about another person in the room, you're talking about your children or myself. You don't count. You understand that, sir? <laughs> How many? You have five kids. What is what is their age range? Six to 12. And you are trying to bar your wife from singing in front of you or your kids unless she gets better at singing? I just, I, I know that she can sing well because she, she shows evidence where she does sing, particularly songs that she knows really, really, really well. She will match pitch really well with those. It's just other ones that she doesn't know as well that she doesn't even try to match pitch. And so I just ask that she try to match pitch. So, but you, you answered a different question than the one I asked. You, you, I, asked, you answered the question, does your wife sing well? I asked you, you would like me to prohibit your wife from singing in front of you or your children or other humans unless she does a better job. I would like her to, to make a better effort at uh, trying to match the pitch when she sings in front of other people. Now, this canard about it being offensive to the a singer-songwriter, is that something you truly believe or is that something you're trying to uh, use to lend more gravity to an argument which is a reasonable one, if, if somewhat monstrous, to make, which is you don't like to listen to your wife sing badly? I uh, believe it a little bit. Uh, I, I, it, to be honest, I would not have brought that up as a supporting argument for my own case. Uh, I know she likes bringing it up because it makes me sound bad. Uh, but... 
Uh, well, is I it something that you that, said? Uh, it is something I said, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so make the case for me, if you will, that it is the requirement of the singer, presumably whether or not they are surrounded by your children, to honor the song and the songwriter by singing it correctly. Or have I just made the case for you? <laughs> well, da, 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 da. <laughs> it, it seems to me that <laughs> it seems to me go on <laughs> that if you uh, really care about the song that you would try to uh, sing it as correctly as possible at least you know there's there's a reasonable interpretation going on uh, uh, that you can bring your own personal effort in but if you know the the, the recording that you're singing along with is in the key of E and you're singing in the key of B flat, that, that's creating a, a, a dissonance that the, the, the song had never intended to have involved. So. Well, wait a minute. If you change the key of the song, aren't you just transposing the notes to a key that's easier for you to sing? That's fine if you're not singing along with the recording. If you're oh, singing along with the recording, then you're getting parallel tritones going along here. Oh, yeah, well, parallel tritones. How do you answer to that, Andrea? Parallel tritones. I studied counterpoint, and I know what you're talking about. I'm excited <laughs> to say. And I, and I, I agree with you. They are disgusting. <laughs> well, They are discordant can, to the ear. So, Can I speak? Well, you certainly can't sing, so you better speak. <laughs> all right. Well, I didn't like that the, laugh I, at all. I don't either. My husband, I love him very, very, very much. He's a music professor and he teaches music theory, which to me is kind of like a foreign language. I'm a smart girl. I went to an Ivy League school, not in New Haven, but I went to one. And I, I feel like, I don't know, like if he sings, says things like the key of E, the key of B flat, I don't know. I don't really care. I feel like I'm just singing. And so this tritone, all that, I, I, it doesn't, I don't understand it. And for me to sit there and try to understand it and then try to sing, it's like something that I, uh, it's like a foreign language. That's all I can say to you. I understand what you're saying, but saying that music is like a foreign language no, no, to you not would not excuse you necessarily, for example, from screaming along the words of a Gerard Depardieu movie when you don't know French. Right. But I, I'm sorry, I misspoke. I'm not saying music is a foreign language. The language of music theory, like A right. major versus A minor and yeah, no, syncopation we, we, and all those things. Sure. We all understand that that's the way your husband, Scott, shows off to your children <laughs> and makes himself sound smart all the time. But yes, any lay person would understand if you're singing along to a song and you're not singing in tune with that song, with that backing track, it's going to sound at best different, at worst bad. Is that not so? That is so, but I believe that most people, when they sing along to a song, are just kind of singing their heart out. I understand, but you, you are sharing space with other human beings. Let me ask you this question. If it's a particular song... Regardless of whatever heavy vocab your hubby is trying to drop on you, do you are you saying that you don't want to sing in tune to the song, 
because of the principle of you want to sound as bad as Tom Cruise? Or, are you, no. or is it the case that you, you find it difficult to sing in tune to a song? I feel like when I am singing along that I sound good to myself and that I'm singing well. And I don't feel like trying to learn how to sing it perfectly. Yes, I feel like that's hard to do. And, and then that wrecks the whole point of just singing along with joy in your heart. What are the, what is, what is the circumstances, Scott, in which Andrea will sing along to a, a song and expose you and your children to her terrible, terrible singing? Uh, if they, uh, one of our kids is uh, playing Call Me Maybe on the violin, and <laughs> she, she will start, uh, she'll be in the kitchen uh, we have a big open house, and so she'll be in the kitchen uh, cooking and and try to sing along too. Uh, uh, call me maybe, but be not even close to the the same key as uh, one of our daughters is uh, playing the violin. I have two questions, one for each of you, Scott. Why are you making your child play that terrible song? <laughs> and Andrea, if your child is trying to practice the violin, why are you singing? and distracting your child from learning this terrible song. Go for Scott. <laughs> uh, it was actually the choice of, uh, uh, I think it was Athena who was playing at the time. Uh, the, she likes the song. I actually kind of like the song myself. Uh, sure, well, it's got all those hot tritones. That's <laughs> some sweet syncopation. It, uh, it avoids the sin of parallel motion. Yes, it does. <laughs> but, Honestly. Andrea, your daughter, I don't care if you have an open living plan, if someone's trying to practice violin, why are you singing along? Okay, that is, I feel like, an anomaly in an isolated case because it's happened one or two times. I feel like, I, I know I'm just, uh, let me finish. When I feel like when he is being most doing this is if we're all in the car together and a song is on and I'm singing it, which happens far more often than Athena practicing violin. And by the way, when she plays it, she's not playing it in tune. Yeah, she's, she's a child. <laughs> and she's, she's a, trying. She's, she's a trying child. Trying. All right. Thank you very much, Scott. I was, gonna, I was making your case for you. <laughs> now, we have two audio experts here. <sighs> audio expert know. witnesses to evaluate your singing and to offer some insight. So Can I ask I know, them a couple questions? Um, no, you need to sing. I, I understand that you are a fan of Jonathan Colton. So maybe first call to the stand, expert witness Jonathan Colton. Yay, applause, applause, yay. Well, that's... <laughs> that sounded that's very insulting. I, I didn't <laughs> know if I was supposed to be very... I didn't know if I was supposed to be like super... I don't know how loud I was supposed to talk. You're doing fine. <laughs> You're doing fine. I've, I understand. I've met, I understand I've met him before, but he probably doesn't remember me. It's clear. It's clear that you have a hard time evaluating the sound of your voice outside of your head. <laughs> Thank you. So we all we all appreciate your infirmity and hold nothing against you. You say you have met Jonathan Colton before. Where was? Where did you meet Jonathan Colton before? I was. I we live outside of Indianapolis and. He was opening for They Might Be Giants at a theater called The Vogue in Broad Ripple. And we were walking. We went to dinner before. And we're both Jonathan Colton fans. 
And I always used to enter Vogue from the back, through this back alley. So we were walking there and I'm like, that's Jonathan Colton. He just went into that van. That's Jonathan Colton for sure. And Scott's like, no, it's not. Don't be a stalker. But Scott's like, you're totally talking knew. too loud and out of tune. <laughs> <laughs> so then we walked in the back entrance right when he walked out of the van. And I was like, hey, I'm Andrea. This is my husband, Scott. And then I like couldn't say anything else because I was like, what? So. Do you remember this, Jonathan? Do you remember being stalked by people? <laughs> I, <laughs> I in do. Broad Ripple, Indiana. Broad Ripple, Indiana. I, I, I certainly remember. Uh, I remember playing at the Vogue. I have a vague memory of running into them, but I might be conflating it with another time that I ran into somebody else. I don't know. Well, you missed, <laughs> yeah. you missed, you missed your chance to sing a Jonathan Colton song to Jonathan Colton then. We are here with Jonathan Colton. I appreciate right. that you are trying to put this off as long as possible, but you mm-hmm. will sing along to a Jonathan Colton song for Jonathan Colton to hear and therefore to evaluate whether or not he is offended as the singer-songwriter, as your husband <laughs> might predict. So which song are you going to sing by Jonathan Colton? You're asking me? N- n- no, get your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> So you're asking me to request a song for him to play or no, am I I'm playing it on my computer? It may be, it may be that you, that maybe your ears don't work in either direction. I am saying you are going to sing a Jonathan Colton song so that we can evaluate how offended he's going to be. Okay. The, I'm, this is not typical because the music is going to be really far away and not blasting really mm-hmm. loud. Mm-hmm. Just, just let it go. Let it go. I, Have fun. Hello, Have fun. that's what I do. <laughs> that was the most controlled letting it go that I've ever felt. Oh, oh now, Scott, Hold I don't on. like your laughing so much. Scott, you mute. Okay, this is the intro. Pathological monsters. Cried the terrified mathematician, every one of them a splinter in my eye. I hate the penal space and the code curve. I hate the thinner car trying to reset. The Savinsky gasket makes me want to cry. Andrea, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I think you did a very nice job. Jonathan? Yes. First reactions. Uh, <clears throat> I think, uh, I think Andrea did a fine job. Um, you know, it's always hard when a, when a, a lady has to, has to sing along with the man because generally different keys work better for different genders. But, um, uh, Andrea was in this case, uh, singing along in key and, uh, 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 for the most part, the right pitches. Uh, and, uh, I am not in any way offended. So Scott, was this a typical or atypical performance of Andrea's? Did she did was she up all night rehearsing to get this right? I, no, I would say this is an example of her trying to sing it correctly uh, because and, I, I know she, I know she has that ability, but then there's other times when she does not try and succeeding. No, she was trying and succeeding absolutely I within the parameters right. of a non-professional singer. I think that was a very successful sing along. Absolutely. To Mandelbrot set by Jonathan Colton, available at jonathancolton.com. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, is that typical or atypical? It is 
typical, I will say there are times if I am like in the shower, in the bathroom, and it's really loud, I'll sing really loud, but I feel like Skype's going to mess that up. And maybe that is when it is more offensive. Uh, okay. But you're in the shower and you're by yourself. No, we have a big bathroom. He's probably getting ready or standing in there. <laughs> is your bathroom also part of your open plan living situation? <laughs> <laughs> Quite our good. closet, yes, it kind of, well, our closet is at the other end of the bathroom. So you have to walk through the bathroom to kind of get dressed or get any of your stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you also have another song that you oh. have prepared for Sing Along. And uh, I'm bringing in a, another audio expert. And this audio expert witness is uh, David Reese, uh, an expert karaoke singer. And mm. I would dare say an expert on the very song you're about to sing, uh, the court calls to the stand, uh, David Reese. I'm here. Hi, everybody. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing all right. Now, have you listened so far to what's been going on in this courtroom? Uh, yeah, I have. Do you have anything you want to say at this point before we go to the next, uh, the, the next demonstration of the evidence? Well, I think that the, the plaintiff and the defendant have set up a false dyad that... <gasps> Now, kind for, of, for the benefit of our listeners, it's a very esoteric music term. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, it goes uh, back to 17th century lute tablature. Yeah. <laughs> but you were going to say, what is a false dyad in your words, David? Well, they've set up, I mean, this is, and it's actually very common in, in music, I think, this tension or this supposed opposition between authenticity, emotional authenticity, and technical proficiency. Uh, and so I, I mean, I don't, I don't think much of either of their arguments, but I'm here to just enjoy some music. So let's go. All right. And do you, <laughs> have, a, do do you have a, do you have a request that you'd like to give any, a shout out, a, a request uh, for, uh, for the singer? Well, I love karaoke and I think karaoke is the perfect, uh, you know, it's the perfect, um, testing ground for these expressions of authenticity and, 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 varying degrees of, of proficiency. And uh, one of my favorite karaoke songs is Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by the 70s band called Looking Glass. All right, we'll take it over to Andrew, who's going to be performing Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by Looking Glass. Take it away, Andrea. Half the About their home and a girl. In a hot town and she works Bring whiskey down, brandy, another round, some whiskey and wine. The sailor says, Brandy, you're a fine girl. May I, may I stop? Stop there. Can you stop there, please, Andrea? Andrea, you are more or less on key to my amateur ears. But I would not say in this case that you were letting go. And in fact, it sort of sounded like. <laughs> Because I'm afraid it it's going to mess up the sound. No, I understand. It sort of sounded like maybe you had fallen asleep. <laughs> I agree. Because I'm afraid it's going to mess up the sound. So I'll let okay. go if you want me to let go. I, but I can what, let go. What you, okay. Jonathan, what do you think? Should she let go? I, I think, I think Andrea, if you, if you have a way that you can uh, step away from the microphone so you're not sh- singing directly into it, um, that might uh, reduce your inhibitions and also uh, protect protect our ears from loudness. Thank you for like the technical I like Thank you for coach. the technical weigh-in, Jonathan. David Reese, uh, for the emotional weigh-in. Do you think uh Andrew See, should that was out? Yeah, I mean absolutely. Come on, let's 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 do this. All right. 
Okay, we're so ready, what Andrea. I'm, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna set the phone down or my microphone down and step away and play the song and sing um, loudly. But I will not have my headphones on, so I'm gonna have to come back. And if you get if it sounds horrible, just mute it for a while. All right. <laughs> okay. I, I always love disclaimers before someone lets go. There's a port in a western bay and a hundred ships a day and sailors time away talk about their homes and there's a girl in this harbor town and she works laying whiskey down brandy pass another round Serves them whiskey and wine. The sailor says, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. Could steal a sailor from the sea. Do, 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 do. David Reese, uh, emotion judging, go. I think we're getting there. Um, I think she's still a little self-conscious i think she should get a little bit drunk um and do it again but i will say what was interesting on the technical side was jonathan and i were kind of noting this to each other it sounded sound like she was actually kind of harmonizing with the melody instead of really hitting the top line melody so maybe she's actually the problem is musically she's too sophisticated her ear is so finely tuned <laughs> that she that she leaps naturally to to a harmony rather than staying with the melody with the rest of us plebes yeah, she's like Charlie Parker. She's hearing intervals, you know, above the traditional intervals that are played in Western music. So she's all these like flat 11ths and sharp 13ths. Right, Scott? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I always thought that she was advanced. So, all right. So the question is, does she go on to Hollywood? Jonathan, what's your vote? To Hollywood? I wouldn't recommend going to Hollywood. You know, you can do this anywhere nowadays. <laughs> Jonathan, we actually don't need your internet utopian evangelizing right now. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Well, I, you know, I think the, it, it, I, if I may speak frankly, please, uh, I, I recognize in uh, in Andrea's uh, voice and the way that she is addressing the song uh, a kind of uh, a kind of singing that I have heard before, which is that. And I understand what Scott is getting at is that sometimes she she is singing in key when she when she lets go a little bit, she's straying a little bit from uh, from the melody. And, you know, this this comes down to uh, what you would call someone's someone's ear uh, for singing and the ability to sort of match up your voice with what's happening in the music. And so it sounds to me and I've, I've heard this before in other singers is that the more exuberant she's getting and the more she lets go. Uh, the less technically proficient she is. Uh, and I would, I would point out that both of these songs are in terrible keys for her. They are both too low for her to sing uh, comfortably, which is why she is finding it hard to, to sort of lock in when she starts singing a little more loudly. Do you think from a technical point of view uh, that she could, never mind should, but could reasonably train herself to sing 
better, even when she is at her most enthused? Uh, you know, that's hard to, that's a difficult diagnosis to make. I think, I think that, uh, everyone can benefit somewhat from, uh, from training and from, and from practice. But, uh, uh, you know, it certainly depends on, on the instrument that you're, you're born with. Um, you know, all, all that said, uh, you know, I'll let David speak to this, but I think exuberant singing, uh, off key is preferable to, uh, uh, to lackadaisical singing that is spot on. David, you said, thank you, Jonathan. David, you said that she should get uh, drunk. I have to say the first round of Brandy, You're a Fine Girl, sounded as though she had had a couple of, couple of glasses of Hennessy and was now kind of laying, <laughs> laying her head down on the kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, aside, from, uh, aside from that, uh, do, what, does she go to Hollywood or not, I guess is what I'm saying. Do we order her not to sing exuberantly? Well, this gets back to my original problem with this whole case, which is that I feel like a Andrea's worried that there's this tension between competence and exuberance and that somehow if she learned a little bit more about singing and how to control her voice, it would somehow make it harder for her to cut loose and lose herself in the music. Whereas actually, the, the better you are as a musician, the even more pleasure you take from cutting loose. And so I don't think it would be too bad for her just to take a couple of vocal lessons and then go to a karaoke bar and really, really cut loose and, and sing with confidence. And don't let her husband come and sit in the back of the bar and judge her. Let him babysit all those kids they have. Sounds good. Well, actually, it does sound good to you, Scott, because David Reese is basically agreeing with your point of view, which is to say that Andrea can and should better her voice so that she does uh, does not sing exuberantly and out of key. No, but Jonathan, judge, that's. I beg, I beg, beg your pardon, judge. But no, no, I appreciate it. Please, the, the the conclusion is the same, but the logic is different. I'm saying that she should better her voice, not because she's disrespecting Looking Glass or or anything like that, but just because she will find singing more fun. She will actually it will further her own exuberance, her sense of like self-negation and getting just getting lost in the ecstasy of the moment it'll make it more fun for her i, I don't care about scott and his feelings and whether he's having a good time <laughs> right so she should become a better singer to please her husband no yeah, oh, okay she's... just making sure i understood she's she should become a better singer to please herself andrea does that does that argument mean anything to you um, it, it does, but but not a, in a good way, because my joy is in singing along. I don't want to sing like karaoke. I, I have no desire for to sing it by myself. Like I'm going to sing along loudly with them at a high volume. Does it mean anything to you? I mean, I think that that we all saw and I, and I said this respectfully or, or didn't see. I, I don't have synesthesia. We all heard. <laughs> your voice change once you started to sing more exuberantly. And indeed, technically, you were not quite as adept as the first take when you were really being very careful not to blow us out with your incredible power. Do you, do you think that if you were able to uh, learn to sing exuberantly and as loudly along with your favorite songs, but more technically adept, that that would increase your enjoyment or does that not matter to you? As long as I would not be distracted by trying to be so technically perfect that I wasn't able to be as enthusiastic. 
I understand. Scott, you yes. heard uh, you heard what uh, uh, Jonathan and David said. Uh, the situation is that your wife can sing uh, admirably uh, in key uh, when she yes. is uh, not letting go. Um, she has, as you stated, some difficulty uh, doing the same when she is letting go. Why do you want a wife who never lets go? Well, I like it when she lets go, but I, I, I agree with uh, David that uh, if she could sit, still be matching pitch while letting go, uh, it'll be much more enjoyable both for her and for me. What would you like me to order if I find in your favor, Andrea? In my favor, that I could sing um, anything, anytime, and that he would never have to say anything about my pitch or my key. Scott, what would you want me to order if I find in your favor? That Andrea learns how to uh, sing exuberantly and in pitch. How do you propose that she do that? Uh, she could take some voice lessons. Uh, I teach at a, a nearby university. She could take a, a voice lessons from one of my colleagues. I see. But not from you. No, I don't think that would be a good idea think, for many No, I don't think so either. I just want to make sure <laughs> we, all, we all agree on that. <laughs> I think I know, uh, I think I've heard everything I need to hear in order to make my decision. I'm going to whistle my way into chambers, and uh, when I have a decision, I will return. <laughs> Baby got back. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Andrea, I don't know whether you will win this case, but that spirited rendition of Brandy convinced me that you will win at life. Uh, so Aww. congratulations Thank to you. that. How are Thank you, you. How are you feeling about your legal chances? I feel good. I, I feel like I wasn't able to let loose as normal because of, you know, I, I wasn't in, it wasn't, I couldn't turn it up loud enough and, and that, but I feel really good because I think that emotional exuberance and being able to express yourself and feel good about it. Cause I do feel good when I sing is most important, but who knows? Scott, how do you feel? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I, I felt that one of the expert witnesses basically stated my uh, stance on the whole situation. Uh, though, as he pointed out, I was being rather selfish for my reasons, as opposed to being more concerned about uh, the increase in enjoyment than Andrea would definitely have if she was able to be singing in sync with the, uh, the recording while being as exuberant as she can be. Scott, as a music theory professor yourself, would you say it's one of your primary responsibilities or a secondary responsibility to prevent people from enjoying music? <laughs> uh, I would say it's a secondary. A primary is just to torture musicians themselves. We'll see how this one turns out. We'll be back in just a second with Judge John Hodgman's verdict. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. 
The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Brandy, you're a fine girl. I guess what I can say, Andrea, is that at least you're not scat singing, which is the worst kind of singing. <laughs> and, and I do also have to say a couple of hard truths to you. This is something I never enjoy saying on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. And it's hard to say it even now, which is that your husband is right in a narrow sense, in a narrow sense. I don't like saying that, but in a narrow sense, it is absolutely true because we heard uh, you sing in a controlled way and you sang uh, in a, in on key and then you really cut loose. Uh, or even, uh, you know, according to our audio expert, David Reese, he kind of put you at half cutting loose. And there was a, a appreciable difference in the, in the quality of your Singing, not the quality of your singing, but the, the but the 
the tone of your singing and the and the and your pitch and your and your ability to sing on key. And so the facts of the case as stated by your husband are true. And furthermore, uh, I, I also, like Jesse, appreciated very much uh, the, the great spirit that you brought to that second performance. And I could tell that you were beginning to enjoy yourself more than perhaps any other time on this podcast, which was great. <laughs> but I cannot lie to you because I am your judge. It was not something that I would want to listen to for a long time. So in that sense, uh, I, I say again, your husband is right. And I'm sorry to give you that hard truth. Now, it could be that you could improve your singing through lessons. I am, but that suggests, or some other kind of professional guidance, but that suggests a conundrum because A, it, it may be that what you really love about that style of singing is utter abandon and not thinking about training and lessons. And B, to take lessons to improve your singing so that you could sing at that high volume and with that full enthusiasm and, as you say, letting go, would be to suggest that your husband had a point, which is almost an intolerable thing. <laughs> All of this said, I am going to find in your favor. The reason is that it gives you pleasure to sing, and the pleasure of singing is not something that should ever be diminished, especially not by an academic, especially not by an academic who is your husband. We have, those of us who have spouses, have spouses or partners or roommates or friends who have habits that annoy us. For example, I'm going to say needlepoint, and I'll leave it there just in case my <laughs> wife is actually listening. And it is part of the contract of marriage to put up with annoying habits, but within reason. This is not a habit, but a pleasure that you take. I do believe that you take specific pleasure in singing badly at the top of your lungs without thinking about whether or not it's good or bad. And I won't permit you to do that. I want you to understand, and I want you to take these home truths to heart, that this is something you need to do in cognizance of the humans around you. You might not want to jump into a full-throated version of Call Me Maybe just because your daughter picks up the violin. And I would be especially wary about doing your full free-falling act when you're in a car with the windows rolled up and a captive audience. That is not a matter of offending a songwriter. That is not a, member, a matter of whether or not you enjoy it. That is a matter of common courtesy to other human beings around you. And so I do find in your favor, and in doing so, I hope it will allow you, A, the pleasure that you enjoy singing in this manner, and B, the opportunity and freedom from scrutiny from uh, uh, hubby McFame over there <laughs> to consider whether or not eventually, on your own terms and in your own time, taking a vocal class or another other ways trying to improve your singing, even at that level might be the right thing for you because I do imagine that it would only increase your enjoyment of singing, which is an important enjoyment that we should all enjoy. And by finding so fully in your favor, I make that decision utterly severable from your husband's dumb opinion 
and holy in your hands. But until then, I ask you to rock on with consideration to the humans around you. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Andrea, how are you feeling? I feel great. That's what I wanted. And by the way, the judge is right, is that I just enjoy belting it out at the top of my lungs. And I sometimes don't really care if it's on key. But you understand that that's a private pleasure. Do you, you know what I mean? Like you can't be forcing that on other people in closed spaces all the time. No, I would not. No, I agree with you that I will only do it in private. Suddenly I feel like we're talking about something else. <laughs> Scott, how do you feel? Uh, I feel like I'm probably going to have to invest in a good player of earplugs. Uh, <gasps> uh, but I'm going to uh, do it in private. Yeah, Scott, you know what? I order you to not be a jerk. Don't be a know-it-all jerk, <laughs> Scott. But I'm, I'm happy that my wife is being in, encouraged in her enthusiasms. Well, thank you guys both for being on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. And thanks again to Jonathan Colton and David Reese, our expert audio witnesses. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Brandy, you're a fine girl. Skilly dee dop do da dee dee doop dop do 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 scat singing all around the place. I'm singing and scatting in chambers. Judge Hodgman. Judge Hodgman. Judge Hodgman. Judge Hodgman. What? What is it? What? Excuse me. Was I bothering you again? Well, I just want to clear the docket, if you don't mind. Oh, I don't mind at all. Okay. Here's something from Kristen. I have a small dispute for the docket. Can you sing it, Jesse? Can you sing it? Brandy? I have a small dispute for the ducket. My husband John and I were hiking in the Columbia River Gorge, and I was struggling against a steep incline. I commented next time we should take a flat hike. This is very difficult to listen to. 
<laughs> not that we're do not that we're recording any of this for an audience. Obviously, right now we're private and in chambers. But my husband said that that was impossible because no such thing as a flat hike. I said, "What about walking through a flat forest?" And he said, "That was only a walk." I resent the idea of downgrading a hike on a plane or in the desert to a walk, but he maintains that a hike has to be uphill. Who is right? I think your switch to a sort of Gilbert and Sullivan style at the end was probably what best served the material. I did a little patter singing. It's true. It's true. A little patter. Kristen is wondering, do you have to go up an incline in order for a walk to be considered a hike? Right, because for that's, example, what, that's what her husband is telling her, right? Yeah, for example, what about a long walk in the forest that happens to be flat? Are you, are you explaining this for the, uh, for the audience the way uh, an opera has subtitles underneath it? <laughs> because I think I just sung that. <laughs> Number one, they're super titles. They're above it. Excuse me. <laughs> and number two, yes, yes, I am. All right. So here's the thing about this. The husband says, no, a hike is only uphill. Uh, it's tough and it's manly. Uh, your walk through the forest is a is a, a, a unstrenuous flatland lady thing. You know That's what? something a deer could do. Yeah, exactly. Husbands should buy dictionaries. Do you know what I'm saying? It's true that the transitive verb to hike... We're not referring to walking when you're hiking something that always refers to lifting it up, like a wage hike, for example, which is a mythical thing that never happens. And I also understand that most husbands love to separate activities into tough, difficult, uphill things and unstrenuous flatland lady things, and then tell everyone they know the secret difference between them and hold that over them, even their own wives. But language, as it's currently defined, differs with husbands. <laughs> in outdoorsy nature terms, all dictionaries that I consulted basically treat the term hike as synonymous with walk, amble, tramp, and of course my favorite, perambulate. It may be that language will change through usage eventually, but I suspect that uh, by the time the language changes, this husband might have fallen off a ledge accidentally. <laughs> In the meantime, you can use the UK distinction, whereas all hikes and walks are rambles, which is awesome, and and specific mountaineering-style hikes are hill walks or fell walks. At least that's what the internet tells me. I don't know. Are you aware of this thing that English people do where they go on a vacation and the vacation is just walking through other people's cow fields? Yeah, I've done it. Until they get to the next. That sounds great. It's fantastic. Because they have a they have a, an intricate network of uh, footpaths that have been public property since there before there was private property, and they're maintained. And if you own if you own a farm uh, in in the English countryside and it has a public footpath through it, you have to keep it clear and you have to build or create uh, a, a style, a, a wooden staircase over the wall or fence of your farm, or some kind of device that'll allow uh, any dumb human who wants to walk through your yard to walk through your yard. And one time I was taken on a ramble uh, uh, some years ago by the fantastic uh, novelist Susanna Clark, uh, author of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, whom I was profiling at the time. And she took me on a ramble with her partner, Colin Greenland, through uh, the Peak District of England, which became my very favorite place. And at one point, it was like a, it was like a, 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 a following a, a secret treasure map 
because she had the ordinance map and she's like, well, we got to walk up this cobblestone street here and then apparently there's going to be a gap in the wall. And there, sure enough, there was like a secret passage in this wall and then we walked through this wall and found ourselves in a small enclosed field enclosed by a high stone wall with two gigantic white bulls standing on either end of it with about three feet between them and the path went right between the bulls. And it was terrifying and fantastic. And we all survived until we found the other gap in the wall. And I gotta say, if your dumb husband doesn't find that flat walk betwixt bulls strenuous and manly, I have no use for him. Here's something from Nolan, and this is, I think, representative of uh, several emails we got about, I don't know if you remember this, from the case Gas, Grass, or Justice, um, we discussed actually, this. I actually pronounce it gas, grass, or just ass. <laughs> we, we discussed it when we were clearing the docket. We had a case where someone's grandparents or parents had been booked into a hotel room, which they later found out had been advertised as being haunted. And they were wondering if that should have been disclosed uh, when the hotel room was assigned. It wasn't at the time. Um, here's, here's what Nolan wrote. I'm a first-year law student and felt compelled to bring to your attention the case of Stambovsky v. Ackley, decided in New York Supreme Court Appellate Division in 1991. Stambovsky had purchased a house from Ackley and then later found out that not only was the house allegedly haunted, but that Ackley had profited from the house's reputation in a variety of ways and concealed this fact during the transaction. The court allowed Stambovsky to rescind the contract because the house's haunted reputation negatively impacted its value. For the purposes of the sale, the haunting was a material fact. What? Yeah, in this decision, it literally contains this sentence. Whether the source of the spectral apparition seen by defendant seller is parapsychic or parapsychogenic, Having reported their presence in both a national publication and the local press, defendant is estopped to deny their existence and, as a matter of law, the house is haunted. First of all, Jesse, for people who don't understand paranormal legalese, the difference between parapsychic and psychogenic is that parapsychic is uphill and psychogenic is flat. There's also a number of interesting ghost puns in here. Here's a selection from it. The notion that a haunting is a condition which can and should be ascertained upon reasonable inspection of the premises is a hobgoblin, which should be exercised from the body of legal precedent and laid quietly to rest. They should give this guy a sitcom. I feel like John Oliver listening to Andy Saltzman make puns (laughs) on the bugle. (laughs) I also noticed that he wrote, From the perspective of a person in the position of plaintiff herein, a very practical problem arises with respect to the discovery of a paranormal phenomenon. Quote, Who are you going to call? As a title song to the movie Ghostbusters asks. Ugh. You know what? This is Judge Rubin who made this opinion. Judge J. Rubin. And this is what happens, you understand? This is the perversion of justice that happens when lawyers try to be funny. First of all, they make puns. Second of all, in the service of entertaining themselves, they allow a house to be de- deemed haunted as a matter of law. 
and money now has to change hands because of this guy's desire to make terrible puns. Now look, I don't practice law, right? I don't pretend that I know how to. I'm just making jokes around the law here. And you notice that none of my rulings are actually binding, because I don't know what these people do afterwards. I hope that they I hope that they do what I tell them to do, but I have no power over them. I find this whole case to be mischievous, disruptive, and worst of all, full of puns. And I toss it out of law. Ghosts don't exist is the other thing. Ghosts don't exist. Some lawyers are funny, though. What about John Larroquette and Marky Post? That's true. I take it back. I'm stopped from denying that John Larroquette is funny. Our thanks this week to Frank, I'm going to say Mago, McGuff, McGoff. McGaug. McGoog. McGaugh. Mick Giaug for suggesting our title. If you want to get in on the title suggesting action, like us on Facebook at Judge John Hodgman and suggest your own title for a future episode when we ask. Because we usually we ask on Facebook and we use the best one. And of course, if you are not a lover but a fighter, I want to hear from you. Please send me personally your disputes by emailing Hodgman at MaximumFun.org or going to MaximumFun.org slash J.J. Ho. And I will review each of your disputes personally. And if they are appropriate for the podcast, you'll find out about it. And if they're appropriate for the pages of the New York Times Magazine, you will find out about that as well. And if they are full of puns or 17 paragraphs long, you'll never know because I won't write back to you. We'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. The Judge John Hodgman Podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.